It's your boy, Next Generation America podcast. You may ask about the uh, coronavirus, which is very well under control in our country. Hold on. I'm Mike Pence. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. I wrote the damn bill. Hi, this is Amy. Beware of the Libertarian Party hit squad. What's, what's something that you always marry? Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm a crook. All right, this is not a test. This is Next Generation America, episode 133. I'm your host, Corey Foister, and let's jump right into it. Uh, the first topic here we're talking about is D.C. statehood. Uh, D.C. statehood won't create permanent Senate majority. Uh, for those who uh, haven't paid much attention to what the House has been doing, I know there's a lot going on, uh, the whole pandemic going on right now, the uh, terrifying numbers coming out of Texas and Florida and Arizona as well as uh, roughly like 31, 32 other states as this is re- being recorded right here. Uh, but no, the House actually voted for D.C. statehood and actually passed, but sadly has to go to Mitch McConnell, the uh, grim weeper of the Congress. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's not going to go anywhere, but one of the major arguments that Republicans are making, well, you know, D.C. doesn't deserve statehood. These people, you know, half a million people that live in, a little bit over half a million people that live in Washington, D.C. doesn't deserve statehood because, well, they uh, vote heavily Democratic. And, well, that's a Republican problem. That's not a constitutional or American problem. Uh, You know, if you guys want to invest money in there, you know, use some of that Koch brother money to, uh, you know, try to reach out to the, uh, you know, African-American community. That's why you can't win Washington, D.C., because it's uh, heavily, uh, I always hate this term, but majority-minority, it would be the heaviest majority minority state in the union and hence that's why uh, Republicans don't want to grant Washington DC statehood um, there's easy way to fix it because they're like well you know Washington DC uh, shouldn't be a state because uh, the White House all the federal monuments but now you just have the little Capitol uh, building and the Smithsonian and the Washington Mall and the White House would all be just a little federal district and the rest would be a uh, real state I mean it's a very simple uh, fix but you know Senator uh cotton tom cotton down there in arkansas pretty much uh showed his hand when he said that you know people in arkansas and other places in you know real america work harder than the people in dc so that's just absolutely uh beautiful and just uh shows you how the republicans you know if you don't vote republican if you're not a red state and donald trump shows this better than anybody then they could give a fuck less if you have full rights if uh you know 
and just don't come a knocking. Look at uh, you know Hurricane Sandy. How many Republicans like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul held up uh, hurricane relief just because New Jersey voted to reelect Barack Obama back in uh, 2012. But going on to the article here from Inside Elections, any conversation about D.C. statehood will inevitably include Republicans predicting a permanent influx of Democrats on Capitol Hill. But history reveals that two additional Democratic senators would rarely have made a difference in control of the Senate over the last half century. A hypothetical D.C. statehood would have turned a Republican majority into a Democratic majority for just four months over the past 60 years. Um, so, you know, there's more people that live in Washington, D.C. than lives in Wyoming and in Vermont. Uh, so, you know, there is no good argument uh, against D.C. statehood. Uh, the only good argument I could see there is if somebody thinks that you're talking about DC Comics. I know that there's a uh, congressional candidate that actually uh, that ran here uh, against Warren Davison who uh, mistaked uh, DC Comics for uh, Marvel. He thought that they were <laughs> two different comic books, but that's a discussion for another day here. Um, moving on here. The publication of Mary Trump's book has been moved up. Uh, if you haven't really been following this, uh, the Trump administration sought to uh, block, uh, use the courts to block Mary Trump's new book uh, that is uh, Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. It has been moved up by two weeks. Uh, the publication date has been moved up by two weeks, uh, citing high demand and extraordinary interest in the book. So uh, also was released was the back cover, which includes this nugget today. Donald is much as he was at three years old, incapable of growing, learning or evolving, unable to regulate his emotions, moderate his responses or take in and synthesize information. Um, ouch, that's the... Uh, that's really hard. Now, you know, Donald Trump continues to uh, plummet in the polls here. Uh, no shock at all when it comes to that. Uh, but one of his major campaign, because, you know, when this started way before COVID-19 uh, came to America, it was pretty obvious that Donald Trump was going to run on the economy. And he's still trying a little bit to run on the economy. But when you brag that, hey, you know, unemployment used to almost be 20 percent. Now it's went back down. It's only 11.6 percent, guys. Hey, you got to realize elect me, that still is not a solid argument, even if people want to, uh, you know, give him a little bit of, uh, you know, grade on a curve just because, hey, it's a pandemic. Um, you know, I, I think people would be more willing to do that. I, and I think people were. I think for the most part, the dam didn't break in April or even really in May. The dam broke, um, you know, basically, uh, literally that when the dam was breaking in Michigan and he told the people of Michigan, hey, you know, I'm in a feud with your governor up there in Michigan, and if uh, she doesn't do what I want her to do, I'm going to hold funding back as your state goes through a state of emergency crisis as uh, the levees and dams uh, 
failed up there in Michigan back in, I believe that was uh, mid-April. So once again, not a good look. Uh, you know, the whole should we wear face masks, should we not wear face masks at the very start. Even uh, Dr. Fauci said that, you know, the administration, even he, you know, kind of screwed the pooch there at the start, you know, and should have told people more clearly. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, there was no uniform message outside of originally it was a hoax by the Democrats. Uh, you know, which was really dangerous. You had the Fox News propaganda machine saying, hey, you know, this is all made up by Nancy Pelosi. This is just to scare people away from reelecting Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, also the the most unforgivable saying is pretty much what uh, George W. Bush did uh, in the lead up to Hurricane Katrina. He didn't take it serious at all. Uh, you know, it took him, I believe, almost a week to get down there to New Orleans after the levees had failed. And, you know, Donald Trump was briefed about this back in November, December of 2019, saying, hey, COVID-19 is going to come to America. And he did nothing to prepare. We weren't ready. Uh, there wasn't the ventilators. Uh, you know, there was half of ventilators were uh, still sitting there. And, uh, you know, the Pentagons were sitting on these ventilators and, you know, it's like, where do we send them? Where do we take them? And, uh, you know, basically it comes down to the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Um, but, you know, that's what Republicans vote for. When you vote for a small government, you don't vote for technically a small government. You vote for a weak government because a small government, you know, I don't know why people think a small government is a good government. A small government is just an understaffed government. It's just like, you know, the DMV, uh, when you go and you stand in line, I, you know, which what logical person thinks, you know how we fix the DMV? We, uh, you know, we cut the staff in half and that's, you know, then the line's going to be even longer. And, you know, that's that's going to work out for everybody. Uh, you know, being understaffed, I don't care if it's a government agency, a grocery store, anything in life. It's never good. The experience is never good. And you're just not prepared for the worst. And this government uh, under the Trump administration, under this small government, uh, you know, wet dream that conservatives and libertarians always uh, spout out about. It just, once again, Hurricane Katrina and COVID-19 highlight that small government doesn't work. It just doesn't work at all. But, uh, you know, so the economy is basically in shambles right now. And, you know, he kind of seemed like, you know, he was going after, because if it, you know, feels like forever ago, but during the Super Bowl, uh, Donald Trump aired a campaign ad, and the campaign ad was actually uh, directed at African Americans. He was going to go after African Americans. He was going to go after uh, a bunch of blue states that Hillary Clinton won, like uh, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Mexico, and Oregon, which is it's hilarious. Oregon actually going blue. Uh, that's that's fucking a riot. But uh, no, he was going to go after these states. He was going to expand the map. But uh, then COVID-19 hit. Uh, you know, you thought he was going to, at the very least, have a indifferent, um, you know, response to the killing of uh, George Floyd up there in the Twin Cities up there in Minneapolis. But uh, his response was even more 
awful and more unprepared than, you know, even the biggest Donald Trump hater would. You at least assume that he would try to pander to the African-Americans, but he didn't even try. He went straight to, oh, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. Uh, they're encouraging racism. And it's just like, wow, it really makes you wonder, like, is at this point, is Donald Trump even trying to get uh, elected? I mean, does he even want to win the 2020 election? And, you know, I, I start I'm starting to have my doubts here. I mean, uh, the latest Gallup poll has him at 38 percent approval, almost 60 percent disapproval. I mean, that's just uh, jaw dropping. And the guy. Uh, on Sean Hannity last week, uh, Sean Hannity threw him a softball, which it is a softball. It, I don't care what any conservative says, but it's not a, you know, a gotcha question when they ask you as a candidate running for public office. I don't care what office it is, president, dog catcher, mayor, city council. If you can't tell the American public what you plan to do, if you're elected to another term, a first term, a second term, a third term, a ninth term, I don't care what term it is, but if you can't describe what you're going to do in two, four, six, no matter how long, how many years, uh, you know, you're running for, uh, for whatever office, if you can't tell the American public what you plan to do, then, then that's it. That's, you know, that's what killed, uh, Ted Kennedy back in 1980. I mean, he had other problems also. Let's not, uh, forget the whole, uh, Chappaquiddick, but, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter was the incumbent president uh, for uh, the Democratic Party back in 1980. But they asked him point blank, uh, Ted Kennedy, why are you running for president? He really couldn't give you an answer. I mean, he gave a better answer. Now, looking back after, you know, you go and listen to what Donald Trump said, which was all rambling about, hey, you know, I've never really stayed more than like five times in Washington, D.C. before becoming president. It's like, what does that have to do with uh, what you're going to do for a second term? Well, you, you're just not going to stay in D.C.? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like completely lost here. And and so is he, you know, he you know, he, he wants to attack and Donald Trump Jr. is attacking Joe Biden, you know, acting like, oh, you know, he's not of a sound mind. But it's like you read a transcript of what Donald Trump said to Sean Hannity for his second term as president, his plan, and it reads like somebody who has dementia. Uh, he's not of sound mind. Uh, I mean, at first, you know, I think Donald Trump in 2016 was just a madman, but now I think he's totally losing his mind. Uh, you know, he was just a moron, but now I think he's more dangerous because I really do think he's uh, he's kind of lost it. I think the stress has got to him. I think the power has got to him. Uh, you know, the Republican Party is too sorry to, uh, you know, use a little saying called checks and balance. But uh, so what is he going to run on now, basically? What is he going to run on? And basically his idea of what he's going to run on is Confederate statues. He's going to run on statues. And uh, Daily Beast has a really good article here. And uh, I'll just read it for you. Is the statue shit going to work? Two individuals close to the president told the Daily Beast last week that they believe devoting so much time and energy to defending lifeless statues, a kick that started with sticking up for those honoring racist dead Confederates, uh, will likely fail to help rejuvenate his sagging 2020 campaign and the close 
and close a wide polling deficit that former Vice President Joe Biden has opened up against Donald Trump. Both sources independently said that they intended to gently implore Donald Trump to take a different approach. One of his sources said they had already told Trump in recent days that making statue fetishization a cornerstone of the re-election pitch amounted to a, quote, distraction that wouldn't help move the necessary votes into the president's column by the election in November, said one person, the question is now, is the statue shit going to work? Um, you know, and I don't think it is. I think with record unemployment, uh, people are, a lot of people, you got to remember, there's going to be people that's not going to get their unemployment check until September, which is absolutely wild. Uh, we're still two months away from everybody getting their stimulus check. Uh, you know, it's the Wall Street doing good, but Wall Street, once again, like I've said on episode one and so many episodes in between uh, to this one, that Wall Street is not the entire economy. There's Wall Street and there's Main Street. And, you know, of course, the billionaires and the millionaires are always going to do well, but uh, the common folks, the 99%, uh, you know, we continue to uh, fall into a bigger and bigger hole, and it's something's going to have to eventually give here. And he has no, you know, he has no solutions. He just wants to be president. Uh, you know, the only thing he's good for is uh, stoking a culture war. You know, uh, for you know everything from um, you know racism to hey, are Nazis really that bad? To now the newest thing, hey, you know, do I really need to wear a face mask? Which you know, as a cancer survivor, as somebody who took chemotherapy, you know, I find that highly offensive. It's like, hey, you know, it's like. Uh, you know, you, you just put so many people at, at risk and at danger just because you don't want to wear a face mask while you grocery shop. It's like it's 25 minutes. You know, you go in there, grab a few items and just wear a face mask. Be a decent human being. I mean, is it really that hard? And it, it's not. It's not hard at all. And, you know, all these conspiracy like, oh, I, I can't breathe with the mask and all this stuff. That's easily debunked because surgeons wear face masks almost all day day all these medical professionals and they're not dropping dead it's just absolutely amazing what some people in this country will believe without ever bothering to question how wild it is i mean it just like it really makes you wonder if donald trump said to his followers that the uh you know the moon was made out of cheese and uh harry carey the former broadcaster of the cubs isn't dead but in fact he went to the moon and he's slowly eating the moon and by 2040 we're not going to have a moon because harry carey's would have ate the whole entire moon unless we go to war with Iran. It does make you wonder how many people would then support a war with Iran just to stop Harry Carey from eating the moon. I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, that sounds crazy, but you see some of the conspiracy stuff out there, and it's like, at what point does this stuff end? Where does it end at? I mean, what <laughs> at what point do people say, whoa, 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 okay, it's like, I'm a big conspiracy nut, but even this is like a bridge way too far. And so far, I, I don't think we found it. I think that, uh, you know, we uh, 
we're we're still out there. But speaking more about uh, protecting history, you know, because that's the whole thing that the uh, far right is, uh, you know, the Republicans are talking about is protecting history. Uh, Philip Rucker writes that with Trump's newfound determination to preserve and celebrate history, I can't help but recall his 2017 visit to the USS Arizona Memorial. The president had had to ask John Kelly what happened at Pearl Harbor and its significance as Carol Lenning and I reported in uh, the book A Very Stable Genius. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget about that, but he actually asked his former uh, chief of staff, John Kelly, what happened at Pearl Harbor, uh, something that, you know, you think every single American would know what happened at Pearl Harbor. I mean, you think... The majority of Americans would know certain things like Pearl Harbor, 9-11, you know, the Wall Street crash, the Dust Bowl. They're just certain things, uh, you know, that all Americans should know. And uh, Pearl Harbor is a pretty, that's, you know, that's a slam dunk. That is a very, very, that's an easy layup right there. And Donald Trump doesn't even know what Pearl Harbor is, according to uh, John Kelly. But, uh, you know, uh, he's only interested in preserving, you know, history that has to do with, you know, racist uh, figures because he didn't care about this before. He was never, you know, this would be fine and dandy if you're running for president of the historical society and you wanted to keep monuments and fair enough, but you're running for president of the United States. And, uh, you know, we always, you know, as progressive, we always make fun of Republicans for being, you know, stuck in the past. But it's like, this is ridiculous. It's like, literally, they're stuck in the past. and They're, they're more worried about, you know, marble fucking statues. They're more worried about statues of dead people's, you know, well-being than the well-being of millions of Americans. Let's not forget a couple weeks ago, the Trump administration asked the Supreme Court to uh, strike down Obamacare yet again. Uh, The Supreme Court, thankfully, uh, you know, despite having Brett Kavanaugh, despite having uh, Neil Gorsuch's you know, uh, been, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, uh, the rulings have uh, favored the left, uh, one of them being DACA. That was uh, really good news. But another sign that, you know, Donald Trump can't get a second term because uh, Ginsburg isn't going to hold out forever. And uh, they replace Ginsburg, the conservatives replace Ginsburg. Then uh, all bets are off. All bets are off. The You know, John Roberts isn't going to be able to... Uh, keep another Louisiana-style abortion bill from, uh, you know, coming back through uh, the Supreme Court yet again. And if Ginsburg isn't there, there's going to be nobody—Alito's not going to uh, be the swing vote anymore. We can't uh, keep on letting the uh, swing justice go further and further to the right, because eventually it's going to bite us in the ass. Going over to Europe for a minute— Some countries have nearly halted the virus. Some European nations are closing in on a milestone that to the U.S. seems distant, virtually stopping the new coronavirus from spreading within their territories. The the Wall Street Journal News reports, echoing the achievements of Asia-Pacific countries such as New Zealand, Vietnam and Taiwan, a handful of places in Europe, are reporting only a smattering of new daily infections. Their success in containing the pandemic 
has allowed them to reopen their economies earlier at a faster clip and with greater confidence than the start uh, the stop start effects of U.S. states and hard-hit neighbors such as the U.K. Now, it should be mentioned that three of, um, you know, the hardest-hit countries is the U.S., Brazil, U.K., and Russia. And I should mention that they have absolute clowns as leader. You know, you got Putin as every, you know, a dictator, you know, everything but a dictator, you know, uh, you know, he doesn't have the title dictator, but he pretty much is a dictator of uh, Russia. Uh, you know, you have uh, Donald Trump and his buddies, uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, they look like they could be twins. And then you get uh, the guy down there in Brazil, you know, the, the leader that Donald Trump wishes he could be. And, you know, it just goes to show that these fake strongmen... Uh, have completely screwed the pooch when it came to the response to COVID-19. And, uh, you know, the cautious uh, believing in science uh, approach to this uh, virus was, surprise, surprise, the right move to make. And now we're going to try to bring baseball back. We're going to try to bring basketball and hockey back at the end of this month. And, you know, just like a kid who doesn't eat his vegetables, didn't eat his dinner, and still expects to, you know, be able to eat candy and play video games uh, before going to bed, uh, it's just not going to happen. We don't, we don't, we didn't earn uh, the right to go back to being, you know, trying to live uh, a normal life because we didn't sacrifice. Uh, I think a lot of people fail to realize that, you know, in this country, you know, we there is no right of, uh, you know, not being, you know, uh, inconvenience. Everybody's going to be inconvenienced. Everybody has to pay a price. We just hope that, you know, you know, I hope and everybody hopes it's not paying with our lives. But it's just such minor things like wearing a face mask. It's just absolutely wild that all this stuff this country has done in 250 years and now it's like we can't even wear a face mask and it's just totally uh disappointing it's really disappointing but uh moving on here senator tammy duckworth uh democrat of illinois was interviewed by cnn dana bash uh, i should mention before i read this transcript here Tammy Duckworth has uh, shot up to be in one of the uh, top contender for Joe Biden's uh, VP. She is a former veteran, uh, amputee. She lost both of her legs uh, in combat in Iraq. And also she is, uh, I believe she is Filipino and... Chinese, if I believe correctly. I'm not 100% uh, sure on that. But, um, you know, she would be definitely a very different vice presidential pick uh, on the Democratic ticket uh, since, you know, 1984 when uh, Walter Mondale uh, picked a woman to be uh, his vice presidential, uh, you know, running mate. Uh, but even, you know, it was a white woman uh, who wasn't an amputee. This would be uh, a very uh, different uh, running mate and uh, very historical as well. But anyway, Dana Bash uh, says, in your view, where does it end? Should statues, for example, of George Washington come down? Duckworth. Well, let me just say we should start off by having a national dialogue on it at some point. But right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic and one of our countries that are opposing 
are opposed to us, Russia has put a bounty on American troops' head. What really struck me about his this speech that the president gave at Mount Rushmore was that he spent more time worried about honoring dead Confederates than he did talking about the lives of our 130,000 Americans who lost their life to COVID-19 or by warning Russia off of the bounties they're putting on Americans' heads. His priorities are all wrong here. He should be talking about what we're going to do to overcome this pandemic. What are we going to do to push Russia back? Instead, he had no time for that. He spent all his time talking about dead traitors. Uh, Bash then said, that may be true, but George Washington, I don't think anybody would call him a traitor and they're are moved by some to remove statues of him. Is that a good idea? Duckworth, I think we should listen to everybody. I think we should listen to the argument there. But remember that the president at Mount Rushmore was standing on ground that was stolen from Native Americans who had actually been giving that land during a treaty. Um, that's the, that was pretty strong, uh, you know, uh, response by, uh, Senator Duckworth there, that takes a lot of uh, guts and courage to, uh, you know, basically be open to uh, removing statue of, uh, you know, a founding father because you, you, bet, you better guarantee it that Republicans are going to, uh, you know, be using that as part of their culture war because they, they're, they got nothing to run on, nothing to run on economically. They got no success over the past, uh, ever since they took over the Senate in 2014. They have not done anything for the common worker. Uh, but Charlie Stikes writes, this was worse than a gaffe. It was political malpractice because it threw Trump a lifeline at time when even Republicans are rattled by Trump's dark and decisive message. Confederate statues are one thing, but George Washington, Mount Rushmore, seriously? See, I'm going to take a uh, different approach here. Uh, you know, I, I think it's something that should be talked about, but, you know, I don't think uh, Charlie, you know, it, she just said that she wanted to talk about it. She didn't say anything that she was in favor of removing uh, George Washington statue, just that the people who are wanting uh, to remove the statue should be heard. And, you know, everybody needs to be heard in this country. Native Americans need to be heard. That's why we still have uh, a very racist nickname for the Washington uh, football team there in the NFL in Washington, D.C., uh, you know, we have right here in Ohio, up in Cleveland, we have a, you know, let's be honest here, a very uh, unflattering term that is uh, used uh, to describe uh, Native Americans. You know, uh, it was <laughs> really, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but the only reason why we call them Indians for is because we thought, uh, you know, when uh, Christopher Columbus and everybody was... Uh, you know, trying to find new ways to instead go through the Middle East to uh, trade with India. They were trying to find new uh, trade routes. And they, when they hit uh, North America, they thought they were in India, just a different part of India they'd ever been in. So they called Native Americans Indians. Uh, so it just, I find it funny. It's kind of like, you know, it's a celebration of white ignorance, but uh, 
nonetheless, you know, I, I guess white people have nothing else to celebrate, sadly. Um, but moving on here, I so I once again I, I just I disagree. I, I think Tammy Duckworth uh, said the right thing there and it was during a the pandemic there's way more smarter things to uh debate, uh, you know, but the Republicans that they're gonna make hay of that just because well uh, there's nothing else to talk about because they've completely failed. They've beyond failed. They've completely fucked up uh, the last four years and screwed this country over and, you know, put us back 50, 60 years. Uh, but moving on here, states can penalize faceless electors. I com- I'm 100 percent behind the Supreme Court on this ruling. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that states can penalize faceless electors, the members of the Electoral College who do not support the winner of their state's popular vote in a presidential election. The decision was anonymous. Uh, it was nine to zero. Uh, also, the 2016 presidential election saw 10 electors vote for someone other than their state chosen candidate, highlighting how faceless electors can uh, could have a potential to swing an election. If I'm correct here, uh, Donald Trump lost two of those. I believe Hillary Clinton lost the other eight. Uh, Donald Trump lost two in, I believe, Texas. I believe Hillary Clinton lost one or two in Hawaii. I believe she lost one in maybe Colorado, and I think she might have lost up to like four or something in the in Washington. Uh, but, you know, it's never a good idea to have rogue electors because, you know, the scenario is it's, it keeps somebody like Donald Trump from getting in the White House. But the thing is, it didn't work. That function of like, oh, well, you know, these elite group of 438 electors are, uh, or my bad, 538 electors are going to know better then, uh, you know, the the common man, uh, the common person, I should say, um, you know, it's fine and Danny, but it didn't work out. It, you know, it hurt Hillary Clinton. I went out there like right after Hillary Clinton lost the election and said she's probably going to have more faceless electors come out against her than Donald Trump did. And uh, sure enough, sadly, I was right, Uh, you know, just because the system is broken. We need to get rid of the Electoral College and we need to go to just popular vote. Uh, But this was a step um, not in the right direction because everything is staying the same. Uh, But the Supreme Court, had they ruled the other way, it could have rapidly got worse where somebody's like, you know what? Uh, Say if uh, California is going to vote for Joe Biden by 20 percent. Uh, but, you know, Joe goes in there and says, you know what, fuck it. I, I you know, uh, d- you know, easily Joe Biden easily won the state of California, but I don't feel like voting for him. You know what? I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, that's very undemocratic. I, I don't see no good to come out of that. So that's great. That's great if, uh, you know, they should be fined. If they can't vote the way that the popular vote went, then uh, so be it. Replace them. And, you know, it, it's fair and square. I, I was completely against it back in 2016 when liberals were trying to get people to uh, vote against uh, Donald Trump because, you know, it was... I mean, personally to me, I, I wished it would have happened. It would have saved us a lot of uh, a lot of mess. But, you know, he won, 
you know, he won the Electoral College. Uh, you know, it's a rigged, broken system that uh, gives too much power to, you know, states like Wyoming and Vermont, uh, you know, and I'll crap on Vermont because Vermont's very liberal, you know, gives uh, hell Bernie Sanders hails from Vermont, uh, you know, but it just gives way too much power, uh, you know. California has two senators and Wyoming has two senators. That's one of the craziest things in my mind that I've ever said on this podcast. And it's factual. It's not opinion at all. It's factual. But it just goes to show that, you know, the small states have way too much power. Uh, you know, the smaller, uneducated states have too much power. And this is why this country is just duck in the mud and they can't do anything. And that's why if Democrats gain control of the U.S. Senate and Joe Biden is elected president, they got to eliminate the filibuster and they got to get stuff done. We have to act on climate. We have to act on the crippling student debt in this country. It, it's beyond trying to, you know, get a watered down bill and give a tax break to the 1% to try to move the needle a little bit. It, it, it's time. It, it, during a pandemic, we have to act. We can't go back to just, you know, Joe Biden is going to be a pretty pretty much around Jimmy Carter's ranking if, uh, you know, he does if he fails to act and he just tries to go back to the old Obama days. Because you remember, I mean, as nice as much as, you know, we all admire Barack Obama, you got to remember, it wasn't really that good under Barack Obama. And that's why Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump was able to uh, take advantage of it. You know, opioid uh, use was exploding. Uh, it was not good in the middle America. It was good on the coastal uh, areas, you know, the west and the and the east coast, uh, Chicago, you know, the cities and stuff. But outside of that, it was not good in the suburbs. And it was especially not good, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere in, in rural America, uh, let's see here. Going on, uh, a vicious culture war is all Donald Trump has left by E.J. Donnie. Uh, Trump vile speeches at Mount Rushmore on Friday and at the White House on the 4th of July signaled that he sees one and only one way possible uh, path to victory. He will tear an already riven and divided nation to pieces. Uh, I mentioned this a little bit earlier but Trump's approval rating keeps sliding. A new Gallup poll finds President Trump's approval rating at 38%, and he has a disapproval rating of 57%. Uh, Trump's current approval rating numbers, as calculated by 538, continues to grow more dismay uh, dismissal by the months. His approval rating has gone from 45.8% on April 1st to 43.3% at the beginning of May, to 42.9% in early June, to 40.7% over the 4th of July weekend. His disapproval has climbed steadily from 49.7% on April 1st to 55.9% now. That's a whopping 15 Point two percent are points under water, and there's just no way that a president is going to be reelected with a solid majority thinking he has failed in office. Uh, yeah, you know, to lose 15.2 points is just absolutely insane. I've said it, I believe, already on this podcast, but I'll say it again. 
come Labor Day, Donald Trump has a new campaign manager. There's no way that Brad Parscale is going to uh, stay on as campaign manager unless he has, uh, you know, some blackmail on Donald Trump. But at this point, I don't know how you could even blackmail a guy who's uh, made a complete asshole out of himself. Uh, J.P. Morgan came out with something very interesting here. J.P. Morgan says the the consensus now is that a Democrat victory in November will be a negative for our equities. However, we see this outcome as neutral to slight positive. Uh, So that is J.P. Morgan saying the stock market isn't everything. Wow, that's pretty big when... um, you know, Donald Trump, you lose, uh, you know, uh, a big uh, Wall Street, uh, you know, figurehead. President Trump on Twitter today defends Confederate flag yet again, uh, says Donald Trump. He, you know, waded into uh, NASCAR and wrote, has Bubba Wallace, uh, a pilot, Bubba Wallace, by the way, for those who don't follow NASCAR, I barely do. Um, but Bubba Wallace is the only African-American uh, driver in NASCAR. But uh, Donald Trump writes, has Bubba Wallace apologized to all of those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax. That and flag decision has caused lowest ratings ever, uh, which I believe is actually not true. I believe NASCAR, because it's really the only quote-unquote sport, I don't really consider it a sport, but... uh, you know, nonetheless, the only quote-unquote sport that is uh, still, um, you know, that is actually live, uh, and I believe the ratings are actually slightly up just because people are hungry for, uh, you know, live event, live content, new content, and uh, NASCAR is providing it. Uh, Here's a quote from Rick Scott speaking about President Trump to the New York Times. He is who he is. People know who he is. You think he's going to change? Um, you know, it's kind of interesting thing from Rick Scott. And you can see uh, Joni Ernest, uh, the senator from Iowa who's running for re-election this year. Uh, you know, a lot of these senators, a lot of these Republicans are starting to really get pissed off at Donald Trump because they're, uh, they've are they been thrown into a very awful position here of trying to uh, run with a uh, anvil tied around their neck. Let's be honest, Donald Trump is an anvil, uh, you know, on the neck of so many Republicans. And there's actually been publications talk about, you know, that Mitch McConnell is basically, uh, the rumor is he's basically giving Donald Trump until September, right around Labor Day, to turn it around. And if he doesn't, then the Republican Party uh, he's going to give the green light for all these Republican candidates like Susan Collins and uh, Martha McSally out there in Arizona to uh, basically, uh, you know, abandon him and uh, chart their own uh, course uh, as they try to win re-election. Also, Cory Gardner out there in Colorado, but Cory Gardner has... Uh, so far, despite the uh, poor poll numbers, he has been, uh, he's going down with the, the ship. I will say that. He's going down with the USS Trump. Uh, he's not trying to uh, pretend that he's a moderate at all. He is a uh, alt-right, uh, you know, fringe uh, senator. And, you know, if you know anybody out in Colorado, or if you, you're from Colorado, make sure uh, you vote for Hickenlooper, who uh, just won uh, the primary uh, last weekend. 
Democrats smell a chance to control redistricting. This is another reason uh, that Democrats got to turn out the vote here from Politico. Intent on not repeating the mistakes of 2010 under then-President Barack Obama, the party is seizing on a once-in-a-decade opportunity to drive the redistricting process and reverse the built-in advantage Republicans amass over the House district lines after the last census. From Pennsylvania to Texas to Minnesota, cash-flush Democrats are working to win back legislative chambers needed to take control of drawing congressional maps or at least guarantee a seat at the table. If they secede, it would correct an Obama-era down-ballot shellacking that handed Republicans uh, House control and resulted in the loss of more than 900 Democratic legislative seats. Uh, So, you know, that's one thing that Donald Trump surprisingly has been good about. Uh, You know, they've lost a lot of seats, but it uh, has not met the, uh, you know, the Obama-era numbers. Granted, it's unfair because Donald Trump, if he doesn't win in November, it's four years compared to eight years. So, you know, another midterm that... uh, Donald Trump will avoid because the Republicans are definitely going to get killed if uh, Donald Trump wins a second term 2022. Uh, it's going to be another struggle for the Republican Party. Uh, some bad news for Republicans as you look up at the state of Maine. Sarah Gidden holds uh, a small lead over Susan Collins in Maine. A new public policy polling survey in Maine finds Sarah leading Senator Collins in the U.S. Senate race by four percentage points, 46% to 42%. Uh, That is brutal number. She's not even close to 50%, and that's pretty bad for an incumbent. Uh, More brutal numbers for Susan Collins. Just 36% of voters approve of the job Collins is doing, while 55% disapprove. In the presidential race, Joe Biden leads Donald Trump 53% to 42%. uh, Bad numbers for uh, Donald Trump there as well. And I should mention that uh, Donald Trump actually won one electoral vote there, not by a faceless elector, but uh, Maine splits their electoral uh, electoral votes. Uh, He won the second congressional district there in Maine, uh, the more rural part of the state. Uh, But yeah, you know, Susan Collins made a gamble by uh, backing Brett Kavanaugh. And, uh, you know, now she's paying the price of that. And it's, it's really good. You know, these uh, Republicans have been blind. They uh, they need to be uh, woken up by, uh, you know, a big L on election night and realize that, hey, this was not OK. You know, you had a chance to uh, stand up to, uh, you know, the fringe in your party. And, you know, uh, at one point, Susan Collins kind of did that, but not no more. Uh, GOP power broker to Texas governor shoot to kill in the days after George Floyd's uh, killing and police custody in Minneapolis last month as massive protest against police brutality spreads across Texas and other states. Conservative power broker Steve Hortz of Houston called Governor Greg Abbott chief of staff to pass along a message. The Texas Tribune report said, uh, Steve, I want you to give a message to the governor. I want to make sure that he has National Guard down there and they have order to shoot to kill. If any of these son of a bitch people start rioting like they have in Dallas, start tearing down businesses, shoot to kill the son of the bitches. Uh, that's the only 
only way you restore order. Kill them. Thank you. Wow. That is uh, that just goes to show the mentality of a lot of Republican voters. Uh, completely crazy. The last dash before the election by Playbook Washington is about to begin a four-week sprint that will include the House Democratic leadership and the Senate GOP leadership wrestling over another coronavirus relief package. Republicans have laid their marker. Senator uh, majority Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said the next package needs to protect kids, protect jobs, and reform liability laws so entities can't be sued. Democrats have pushed for state and local government relief, additional unemployment insurance, and direct payments, and bolstering testing. Time is short, of course, and this will go down to the wire. Both sides agree that a package will get passed by the end of the month, with McConnell saying a liability reform is his red line. The question becomes, what does he have to give up to... Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to get it. President uh, Trump and White House are still making noises about a payroll tax cut. Their only idea, it seems. Keep your eyes on Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. We expect him, not Treasury Secretary Steve Munchkin, uh, will be the chief negotiator this time around. Uh, So that is something to look forward to. McConnell will move another pandemic relief bill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, said he believes there will be a fifth coronavirus relief bill as the country sees another uptick in the number of cases. The Hill report said McConnell, we will be taking a look at in the Senate in a couple of weeks, another package based on the conditions that we confront today. Cal Cunningham sets a fundraising record. That's the Democratic candidate running against Senator Tom Tillis down there in North Carolina in the U.S. Senate seat. Uh, Democratic U.S. Senate candidate Cal Cunningham will report raising $7.4 million in the second quarter of 2020. I figure that appears to be a record for Senate candidates from North Carolina in any quarter, uh, the Rally News and Observer report. So uh, that is huge uh, for the Democratic candidate down there in North Carolina. Moving on here, Trump connected lobbyists uh, reap windfall. 40 lobbyists with ties to President Trump helped clients secure more than $10 billion in federal coronavirus uh, aid, among them five former administration officials who work potentially violates Trump's own ethic policy, the AP reports. The lobbyists identified Monday by the watchdog group Public Citizen either worked in the Trump executive branch, served on his campaign, were part of the committee that raised money for his inaugural festivities, or were part of his presidential transition team. Many are donors to Trump's campaign, and some are prolific fundraisers for his re-election. So, once again... Surprise, surprise, more corruption in the Trump administration. Trump blusters doesn't calm a restless nation from the AP. Over three and a half years, Trump exhausted much of the country while exhilarating some of it. And his constant brawls, invented realities, outlier ways, and pop-up dramas of his own making into summer, one would wonder whether Trump has finally exhausted even himself. 
a Senate candidate's hedge fund disaster. Uh, this is really interesting here as we go into the GOP Alabama runoff primary. President Trump's favorite Senate candidate in Alabama, uh, former Auburn and University of Cincinnati uh, head coach Tommy Tumberville, is known for his career as a college football uh, coach, but he also had a brief stint as co-owner of a hedge fund it did not go over well, the New York Times report, a little more than a decade ago before departing from Auburn University, where he was head coach. Mr. Tummerville entered into a 50-50 partnership with a former Lehman Brother broker by the name of John David Stroud. Their ventures, which included TS Capital Management and TS Capital Partners, T for Tummerville and S for Stroud, uh, turned out to be a financial fraud. Uh, Mr. Strahd was sentenced to 10 years in prison, and Mr. Tummerville was sued by investors who accused him of fraud and violating his uh, duty to take care of their investment. He reached a private settlement in 2013. So uh, very interesting here. Probably not the uh, big break that Doug Jones needs to uh, keep his Senate seat. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard for any Democrat because sadly in Alabama, a corrupt Republican is still more likely to win than a uh, honest Democrat. Um, so... Uh, but, you know, uh, one thing for Doug Jones to uh, hit at Tommy Tumberville, because it looks like Tommy Tumberville is probably going to beat Jeff Sessions uh, and go on to face Senator Doug Jones in the fall. But uh, the worse Donald Trump's poll numbers get, uh, you know, Doug Jones chances are a little bit better than where they were about four months ago, but there's still, it points to L for Doug Jones on election night. Texas hospitals may soon run out of beds. The Texas Tribune writes that local officials and experts in Austin, San Antonio, Houston, and Fort uh, Worth have expressed concerns in recent days that increasing coronavirus hospitalization could overwhelm their intensive care capacities, with some saying it could happen in less than two weeks. Uh, the numbers are just absolutely uh, really disturbing and downright scary and states like Arizona, Florida, and in Texas. The politics of race is shifting from Dan Bolt, when two in three Americans now say they support the Black Lives Matter movement, when thousands upon thousands of Americans march in the streets of big cities and small towns, when the National Football League reverses its position on players kneeling during the National Anthem, when Mississippi eliminates the Confederate symbol from its flag, there seems little questions that for now, this is materially different. This is a different moment. What will come of the gathering call for action? The civil rights movement produced landmark legislation, but black people continue to face di discrimination in virtually all aspects of life. Economic gains for many black Americans are undeniable, yet huge disparities in jobs, housing, income, and wealth still exist. Under President Trump, who has used racist messaging continually as president and before, Republicans are ill-positioned to respond fully to the moment that has arise, arisen this summer. The party is capable, is cap, my bad, the party is captive to his rhetoric and actions which exacerbate rather than reduce tensions. A re 
part of the GOP coalition has moved in a more progressive direction on the on the issue of race, but overall the party is on the wrong side of public opinion, and the problem is to see how far it can go. Eight Supreme Court cases, I should say it's actually less than that. I believe there's now only four or five Supreme Court cases that are still to be determined. Uh, Duckworth emerges as a strong VP contender. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but uh, keep your eye out for Tammy Duckworth. Uh, her stock is uh, dramatically uh, rising. I should mention here, Donald Trump has kind of taken a U-turn on the whole face mask culture war. Uh, Trump campaign will encourage masks at rally. The Trump campaign will provide face masks and hand sanitizer to all attendees uh, at an upcoming rally Saturday in Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, AP reports. I almost said New Mexico. Uh, the campaign said in an email on Sunday that attendees are strongly encouraged to wear a mask. Um, so we'll have to see on Saturday how many Republicans actually wear a mask. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath here at all because, uh, let's be honest, Republicans have acted like little spoiled kids when it comes to, uh, you know, protecting other people. You know, it, it's just absolutely sad. It's, uh, you know, but not all Republicans. I never thought I'd give any uh, kudos to the Dick Cheney and his family, but that uh, tweet, showing Dick Cheney in a mask, a face mask, and, uh, you know, it says real men wear masks. Uh, I never thought I'd actually like Dick Cheney, but my gosh, this pandemic actually makes Dick Cheney somewhat tolerable. Like, what the hell is going on right now? Uh, but yeah, so all the polls, I would go over the polls right now, but I am so congested right now. I feel like this is probably a good uh, point to uh, wrap up here. So this was episode 133 of Next Generation America. I'm going to start being back every week to, uh, you know, read the latest headlines, maybe twice a week. Uh, when we get down in the fall, when we get in the nitty gritty, I'm going to try to do this almost every day uh, to keep everybody updated on the latest polling, what's going on across the country. Plus, you know, I, I enjoy this. We'll uh, do a mailbag here pretty soon. We'll bring back... Uh, Clint Combs, my uh, co-host, or what my part-time co-host, will bring him back, and uh, we'll have a discussion on uh, Ohio politics. I'm going to do my um, new prediction for the presidential election and the Senate elections here probably this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, if you like uh, sports, check out The Win Streak. That's a podcast I do, uh, all sports-related. There's not a lot of sports going on right now, so I'm going to probably start doing some top 10 uh, lists and just talking to this week. I'm going to talk about the whole uh you know, uh, you know, what should the Cleveland baseball team and the Washington football team uh, be renamed? I, I, I think this would be a pretty uh, interesting discussion to have. So uh, check that out. That is, once again, the win streak. And I do a podcast with my girlfriend called A Whole Last Mess, uh, just kind of a free-for-all talking about pop culture, uh, just a little bit of everything. So check that out as well. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram as well as Facebook. It's just Corey Foister, C-O-R-E-Y-F-O-I-S-T-E-R. Um, check out the website, nextgenerationamerica.com. It's not fully up yet, but uh, I'm going to start writing a little bit every day, hopefully uh, starting in August, just kind of write my thoughts about the election. I think it would be... Uh, something kind of fun. And, uh, once again, you know, email me at coreyfoister at gmail.com. I would love to, um, hear from everybody, but until next time, read, run, resist. Thanks for listening to Next Generation America. Please subscribe to the show on the podcast platform you're using and check us out online at nextgenerationamerica.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for great video content that is youtube.com slash soaring jet. Contact the show at nextgenerationamerica.com slash contact. You can find out more about me by visiting coreyfoister.com. If you're into sports, please check out The Wind Streak, a sports podcast I do. I also do another podcast called A Whole Ass Mess. Until next time, read, run, and resist.